Hello, everyone. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Pod. Our podcast is sponsored by the communication consulting company, Peer Communication. Now, our podcast is obviously about communication, careers, and the chaos of our lives. Okay, I could start with the song from Hamilton. I'm not throwing away my shot. <laughs> I don't I don't okay. think Broadway's calling, right? Okay. I'm with you. Okay. So today we're going to talk about interviewing and uh, not throwing away your shot at a first impression. We were just discussing that. Mm-hmm. And what interviewing really is for people. We've already talked about how to network to get your name out there how to write a good cover letter and resume, which is your foot in the door. And now you get the interview. So what do you do? You know, I feel (laughs) like like interviewing, it's hard because there are some people that are just so good interviewing. They're just, they make such good first impressions. And for us that are kind of extroverts, that seems to be easier. Like that's kind of a, we view it as like, oh, this is a blank slate with new people I've never met. And I get to make this really awesome first impression. But if you're not an extrovert, if meeting new people freaks you out, then interviews can just seem so scary and daunting. And I'm one of those people, I love an interview. Like I love to go in and be like, let's see what I can do with these people and make them love me. But not everybody sees interviewing that way. So I think it's really hard to talk about interviewing for people that don't love it, because we all kind of love the idea of an interview. We love giving an interview. We love being a part of an interview. Even when we have to do interviews and we're the interviewer, sometimes we dread it, but we also kind of like it. Yeah, we also prepare well. I was going to ask, so I feel the same way that Kelly does, right? I love to be in an interview. Do you, or do you love the prep of an interview? Oh, I'd like the interview way more than the prep of it. Yeah, I hate thinking about what you're going to wear, all that stuff. Like, actually, that's the worst part of it. Right. The interviewing part is great. I would have thought you were a preparer. Like, I love to prepare what I'm going to say. Mm. (laughs) No, I was wrong. No. Because, I mean, I did so many interviews that you do that for, like, the first interview, and then you realize that's completely out the door because every interview is so different. Right. Right. Well, I do, I do talk a lot about the interviewing process being very much like a persuasive presentation. So I prepare a lot of things in advance of any interview, but mainly I think about how am I going to sell myself to this group of people? How am I going to make myself sound really amazing? And sometimes I've noticed I could cross a line and make myself sound too amazing. Like, oh, you're really blowing your own horn here. Yeah. And well, and that's hard. I mean, that's hard because we talked about that in resumes too. You don't want to sound like you're bragging, but you also have to have that self-confidence. To me, the self-confidence is what sells an interview. Like that sells me on you. Do you feel confident enough to do this job? And for me, that is something I feel like I'm pretty good at. Like I'm pretty good at coming across self-confident, understanding what I'm talking about. But some people aren't like, even if they're self-confident in, you know, in what they know or what they do, they don't portray themselves as self-confident. And that is one of those things you've got to, you got to have, you got to figure out how to show people that you are confident in your skills. Because I think we've had interviews with people that probably were pretty good at what they did, but they didn't come across as someone that 
believed they were good at what they did. Mm -hmm. Right. My mom is that kind of an interviewer um, or interviewee, I should say. She does not love interviews. She hates them. And this last job that she actually got, you know, she answered some questions a little more honestly than I think I would have. And good for her because they liked that. Mm -hmm. And you never know really what their expectation is. But when she said, you know, here's my weakness. And I was like, man, that's a big weakness for a teacher. And they were like, we so appreciate your honesty there. So, you know, you never really know what you're walking into, but let's, let's back up and start. What can you do before the interview to prepare for it? Right. Well, always do your research on the company. That's the first thing. And really that was the first question I was asked at every interview. What do you know about us? Right. Mm -hmm. And they're very vague about it because they want you to have done some kind of research beforehand. So that's the first thing. And then of course, prepping like some of those common questions that you are going to get asked at every job. I always do research to not just research on the company, but if I know it's for a particular job, for instance, I applied for the director of a nonprofit. So I did some research on nonprofit work. And so I made sure to have like a source citation, which sounds so nerdy. I know Hillary's laughing at me, (laughs) Uh, but so that in the middle of the conversation, I could say, you know, there was an interesting article in the Huffington Post by, and I gave the author and I said, here are the top things she says, a director of a nonprofit needs to do. And it just sounds good that not only do you know about the company, but you know about the field Mm -hmm. that you're going into. So I, I absolutely mirror that research the company. And if you can't find a lot about the company, feel bold enough to call somebody and say, Hey, you know, you're in HR for this company. Can you tell me a little bit about the company culture, a little bit about it? See, do some real reconnaissance to see if you can find out about the company, but also about the field you're going into. Well, here's something interesting about that, too. I tell my students, Glassdoor is the best website. So it tells you what that company, it gives you reviews of the company, and it gives you reviews based on that position within other companies around the area. So it basically does the research for you if you type in that position. And that website is 100% true about companies. Wow. I mean, there were companies that I got offered jobs out of college and like reading the reviews. I mean, unhappy employees, because that's the thing about interviews. You have to be a good fit for the company as well. Just because you get the job doesn't mean that that's going to be the perfect job for you. Yeah. Well, once you do the interview on the, excuse me, the research on the company and about the field, then you've got to prepare, how am I going to look, right? How do I want to present myself? I always tell students, look, if you're going to an interview, like at Bolton's for oil changes, showing up in a three-piece suit, not necessary. Right. Showing up in jeans and a t-shirt, also not necessary. Find a middle ground, right? So how do you all discuss, how do you dress for an interview? Because I have a funny story about that. Um, I usually just talk about the same thing, kind of like gauging what is this company, what is this job, and then kind of figuring out like what's appropriate for the job. I'm going to be real honest. I've only actually interviewed for three jobs, maybe four ever, um, two serving jobs as a waitress and then the job at the public school and then my job here. So that's, And I already knew those places really well, and I already knew what was expected. And so I feel like if you're going into a field that you know a lot about, you kind of know where your dress needs to be. Now, we've talked about this before, but when I interviewed for this job, 
I was eight months pregnant and that really changed what sure. I could wear and how to present myself and how I felt. And I was like, this is hard, but I did piece together an outfit that I was like, I feel like this is good. I feel like I'm really confident in this outfit. And that's a girl thing too. You know, yes. like women are going to care more about how do I feel in this? Although my husband cares a lot about what he wears to an interview and right. he's a teacher and a coach, but he always wears a suit. He has a special tie that he wears because that's his good luck tie. Right. Um, that's the athlete and coach. In him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a superstitious some, thing. Yeah. A win loss record attached yeah. to it. So, you know, he knows the win loss record of every tie, which is definitely a coaching thing. But so, I mean, I just tell him like, figure out like what kind of job this is and, and what they're expecting of you as far as what to wear. And comfortability too. Like if you have only one button up shirt and it's wool or something scratchy and uncomfortable, you're gonna mm -hmm. sweat. yeah, you're going to sweat. You're not going to feel comfortable. So splurge if you can to get a new dress shirt, even a cheap one that you're going to feel comfortable in that you need to feel good. Cause if you yeah. don't feel good, then your mind is focused on how you feel yeah. and your answers to the questions and your interaction with people is not going to be very good. Hillary, how do you talk about pretty dress? much the same thing, but I compare West Texas to like Dallas, Texas, right? Because it's completely different. You know, if you're going to interview around this area for the most part, you're not really going to need a three piece suit unless it's like a corporate job, right? Sales job, bank job, something like that. But I also tell my students, if you can drive by the place, like just watch people yes. walk out because that will tell you kind of how to dress before yeah. going into it. It's so funny. You talk about the difference in West Texas and like Dallas, right? Still in Texas. Texas is big, but I did a, a chamber of commerce asked me to come and do a presentation to business owners, right? On nonverbal communication in, in business, right? Specifically about dress. I thought that's a strange thing. Well, I didn't do enough research about who these business owners were. So I was going to talk more about some of the traditional things you know, ladies anymore. We don't have to wear pantyhose necessarily, mm -hmm. but we do yeah. recommend you wear closed toed shoes just because if you don't have a really nice foot or a pedicure, then that could be a distraction to someone. Well, as I'm talking specifically about shoes, this woman, business owner, probably in her seventies sticks her foot out in her, you know, 70 year old sandals and her taloned foot and was like, well, I guess I'm not very professional. And I thought, oh, crap, what have I done? I didn't do enough research about where I was actually speaking. That definitely didn't need to be part of mine. But that's really shocking that in West Texas, a 70-year-old woman is wearing sandals without a pedicure, like, or without her toes painted. Or right. like that, that's something my grandma always taught me. You don't go out in public with bare toes. Right. That is that you haven't painted if you go out in public. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a, a older generation yes, cultural thing. I, well, and this was, this was Northwest Texas. This was a, you know, a little bit different, different atmosphere, very small town, you know, not, I just was shocked that she was so offended. She didn't, she was not mean to me, but I thought I have completely prepared the wrong presentation for this group of people. Mm -hmm. And that is specifically because this woman is 70 something. She owns her own business. She, she doesn't have to give an F yeah. about whether or not her toes are painted. Right. right. So I just did a little poor research in that respect, but it is very regional. It is very, um, you know, up in the North, 
they probably don't wear sandals very often. No. Yeah. So, well, and the whole idea of wearing boots to an interview, like right. that's 100% acceptable around here yeah. to wear your cowboy boots. You probably have a pair of boots that cost as much as anybody's dress shoes, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, and so I, that's always something my husband does. He always wears boots to an interview. That's his most fancy shoe. Right. And someone around here wouldn't blink an eye at that. Exactly. No. But that's, that is a cultural thing, a sure. regional thing. Yeah. Sure. You go to New York and you wear boots and they're going to think, well, what cowboy is from Texas? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you ride in on your horse? Yeah. <laughs> no mind that those cowboy boots cost you $500 exactly. or $700. It doesn't matter. Right. All right. So yeah, you got to think about dress. You have to think about how you look, but you want to be comfortable. And I think it's great to to again, do some research and see what the people there are dressed like and sort of try and match that. Mm -hmm. Also makes you look like you fit into the culture. Mm -hmm. So we're doing our research. We're making sure we look good. You're definitely showing up on time, if mm -hmm. not a few minutes early. Mm -hmm. Always scope it out too, because if you're in a city that you're not familiar with, even my interview here, it took me forever to find what building I was supposed to go into. Right. So always go early. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you're on time. Cause that would be one of those things for me that would irritate me if you showed up late. Make sure you turn your phone off. Hillary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Definitely turn your phone off. My interview out here during my teaching presentation, my phone rang. My brother called me and I forgot to turn it off. Of course, we we had worked with her before. We knew her level of professionalism, and that was you know just that was an interesting as the interviewer. It was an interesting kind of event that happened because it allowed us to watch her in a situation where we knew, like, oh gosh, she's embarrassed. How's she going to handle this? Exactly. You know, so it was a really interesting. I'm sure you didn't enjoy it. And no, it, I was sweating. You <laughs> handled it so well, but it was yeah. just it was kind of interesting to watch that and be like, oh, okay, yeah. I do. I think you're right. I think it is interesting to see how people handle those kind of stressful situations, which is why a lot of companies include those type of stress questions. Like, mm -hmm. well, what, what, how would you handle this situation? Yeah. So yeah, you're there on time. You're making sure you're prepared. I always encourage people to take notes in and to take notes while people are talking, too. just because if someone is saying something and you um, want to make sure you circle back to that, then you have taken notes and it shows that you're engaged in the situation. Plus it gives you something to do with your hands. This is my biggest weakness in an interview. I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, you've read the old research that says tend to your hands on the, okay, come on. Nobody, yeah. If I'm thinking about that, I'm not thinking about answering the question. Right. But I always have an awkward thing with where to put my hands. And I, I think I slouch more. Well, and it depends like, you know, the last time we did a mm -hmm. round of interviews, we set it up so oddly oh, and yes, it was yes. very hard for those people that were interviewing because they didn't have a desk. They weren't behind anything. They were just in a chair and we were kind of like in a circle. Like when we do the interviews in the Doug Rogers room, there's at least a table and you can kind of put your hands underneath it yes. or, you know, I, I'm a hand talker. So usually my hands are flying around. I try to keep them a little maybe contained during an interview, but right but yeah, this, no. it was funny and us as as communication experts we're looking at all those things remember we talked about afterwards mm -hmm. i thought she looked very uncomfortable because she didn't know what to do with her feet or her hands yeah and you brought up a good point well we didn't give her the most comfortable setup to be in yeah so it is interesting all those things that we have to talk about side note before okay i took kate hansen's class in undergrad 
and he was the chancellor of Texas Tech for a really long time. He put secret people around campus to watch you come into the campus to see how you would treat the secretary, to see how you treat the parking people who I'm not nice to. And, (laughs) And so I always tell my students that. Like, he made that a point that every interview he ever did he put those people around before you even meet the interviewers. That's so I just had to throw that out there. I love that idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like it watch is. what you're doing in your car, like putting on your makeup in your car when you get here, things like that. That is fascinating because that does say more about a person probably than a prepared answer that you've prepared for. Yeah, because we all know you can do an amazing interview and be a terrible worker. Yes. Like you cannot fit the culture. You can be just not a team player or not even a like a good like you just don't do your job well, but you might have an amazing interview. And right. then there are other people out there that just feel so uncomfortable in interviews, but they would be such a steady, good worker. And part of that is you have to look beyond just like what their answers are, but you know, how they seem as a person, which is something we focus on a lot. Yeah. I don't know that everybody else would. Right. Well, something else he did that I find interesting is he said he'd always have a box of books in his office. And at the end of the interview, he would ask the person, will you help me carry these to my car? He said, you'd be shocked at how many people said no. That's uh-uh. above their pay grade. What? Yes. What? Yes. That's and they're shocking. Like, yes. I couldn't believe and it. He, I'm but sorry. Just Kid Hans see. is a formidable man. Yes. He's not a little guy. So no. I would just be afraid to tell him no in general. But yeah, no, I would, I mean, you could have asked me to stay two hours and help you clean out your office. And I don't think I'd have the guts to say no. Yeah. So that was just, those were things he said in this like one hour class I took an undergrad. That's the interesting thing about interviewing is that you are going to get all different kinds of interviewers who are going to be great and well-prepared and you're going to go into those interviews where they are terrible. And that leads me to some of the types of questions that they might ask, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to get the, you know, where, where do you see yourself in 10 years or all those kinds of questions. I always tell my students or people that we're coaching, make sure your answers are all related to the job. Because if someone says, what do you want to do in five years? And you say, I'd like to get married and have Babies. a baby. Yeah. Okay. I did that at the interview. I have done it too. <laughs> this one interview I went on, she asked five years, 10 years, 15 years. And then she's like, I'll be kind and I'll ask you 20. I'm like, thank God, I might not be alive in 20. <laughs> but it, how many times you're going to ask me? So it's a yeah. hard question. To answer. Wait, so Paul interviewed at a news station in Lubbock and they, she asked him, where do you see yourself in five years? And he told her, in your job. <gasps> and I was like, why what? would you say that? that and she crazy. was like, awesome, because I'm looking to leave. <gasps> and so it worked out so well for him. He got the job. But I was like, oh, my goodness. There are those jobs <laughs> where they want you to be that pushy, right. though. You know, in Brian's old company, that's exactly what he said, too. You know, he said, I want, I want to get myself into one of these corner offices. Mm-hmm. Now that company never appreciated that. Yeah. And he worked hard to get there. Yeah. And they never gave that to him. So it is very I mean, it's just a, a very yeah. risky exactly. answer. And mm-hmm. you've got to know, look, either you're going to accept me for my skills and my abilities and my personality, or you're not. And if you are at liberty to do that, then you can be choosy and picky about where you go. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's so funny. I'd love to interview Paul. <laughs> I, I, there's no telling what he's like in an interview. <laughs> I honestly don't know. He's one of those guys you love him or you hate him. And it's pretty quick that you know, which side you stand on with him. So I feel like 
what you get is what you get with him in an interview. But yeah, well, I just think it's, it's good to be able to feel that confident. Yeah. And I think that is one of the big things about an interview is just that, that confidence, like knowing how you feel walking into it. Right. Well, so you prepare for these types of questions. You want to make sure your question and answers always kind of relate to the job that you're going to be doing. And I teach this, I don't know how much you all teach this, but we teach PAR, right? Mm -hmm. Problem, action, result. So anytime someone asks a question, if you've prepared several situations you've been in before where you encountered a problematic situation, you took an action and came up with a positive result. It's always a good way to, to describe that to someone in that way. Well, I say it doesn't even have to be a positive result. It can be a negative result even, as long as you've explained what action you took and the action was appropriate. Right. So, I mean, if you dealt with a difficult customer in retail services, the outcomes aren't always positive. Sure. And so I, but I teach part, like every question in an interview, I try to answer based off of part. Now I have run into some people, like a really good friend of mine, she will answer everything in par. And sometimes you can tell too many stories and situations. It's long. It does. It makes the interview go long. And I don't think they always get what they're trying to get out of the question and answer. So, you know, prepare a few of them at least to say, hey, I had this situation. I took action. And anytime you can share data-driven results, I increased sales by 40%. We talked about this on your resume. Mm -hmm. But... Anytime you can talk about where you have done good in your prior job, that's a good thing too. So when my mom interviewed for her first real job kind of outside the home, because she really didn't work outside the home while I was in school. And then after I graduated, she interviewed at a local high school as their admin assistant. She had never worked as a secretary admin assistant ever. And one of the questions they asked her was, Okay, you're sitting at your desk, you're in your job, a man comes in with a gun, a student comes in throwing up, and the copier's jammed. What do you what do you do? Oh wow. And she was like, Well, <laughs> I feel like you have to take care of the most important threat first, right? And so she just walked through like, I'm going to ignore the student throwing up and I don't care about the copier and like I'm getting people to safety or handling this or whatever. And they said they really appreciated that about her because she seemed really calm and like confident about the steps that she would take. But she was like, I was really unprepared for that question. That's funny. I, I want to bring in some pretty recent research that I saw specifically about questions. And it was on Entrepreneur Online Magazine. And the article is titled, Five Unconventional Interview Questions That Get Real Answers from Candidates. The author is Patrick Frank. And it was in September of this year. And some of these questions I thought, these are interesting. Like, what is one fundamental truth you believe that if, well, where's the rest of the question? <laughs> huh. Well, let's move on. <laughs> I, I think, oh, I think it was, if what is one fundamental truth you believe in that other people would disagree with? Oh, dang. That, it's so hard. So you have to out yourself as this is my unpopular opinion, probably. Yeah. I mean, it seems too personal. Yeah. If it you is ask of... that question, like, are you wanting them to answer personally? Or are you wanting them to answer, like, for your field or your business? Like, what would be the... I think they they really talk about it shows how a candidate can stand alone in his or her beliefs. So it's, I thought it was kind of interesting. How about if I gave you a hundred million dollars right now, would you be in this seat? 
or describe your sense of humor. Why would we not hire you for this role? Which is kind of a similar question. Yes. We tell yeah. What is your purpose, both personally and professionally? Okay, questions like this lead us into what we call non-BFOQs, right? Non-bona fide occupational qualifications or questions. Are you married? They cannot ask you that. Yeah, they're not supposed to ask you what, what church do you go to? Yeah. Anything that's related to what would protect you as a, as a person or a class of people. Now, different institutions like a Christian university can absolutely ask you about your religion right. um, and things like that. So you have to be prepared with how you would answer those questions. I always tell my students I answer honestly. I if, they don't, if they don't like me, I'm not a good fit. Right right? right. And it has cost me a job. One lady asked me, well, you know, are you married? Are you going to start a family? And I said, well, no, I really want to kind of focus on getting my career set. And then I'll think about that. And she didn't like that. And I didn't get the job. Well, it's probably a good thing uh, because our ideologies were not going to right, mix mm -hmm. well. Right. So definitely these just, I thought that was an interesting article of some different types of questions. You can't prepare for everything. No. There's going to be a, a curveball. And, and the thing is, is always ask for clarification if you don't understand something. Mm -hmm. And always ask to repeat the question if you need a little extra time to think about it. And feel, I think, this is my opinion, feel comfortable enough to say, you know, that's a really inter interesting question. I, I don't know how I would answer that. But I think, and then give something of an answer yes. to say, at least you're going to try. Yeah, because we've definitely interviewed people that have not answered the question. They yes. said some Beat things, sure. but they didn't really answer the question. Now that bothers me, but I know we'd never ask a question that was too personal or inappropriate right. to ask. Um, but but sometimes when people talk around that question, I'm like, hmm, are they going to be one of these people, you know, that never truly answers, never is really clear. Um, so you want to be careful with that, I think. Or if you, you know, like you said, if you don't really know, say that. Right. You know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure and how I'll, I would answer that. And always ask for them to repeat the question, sure. too. So I had an interview where they were paragraph questions. Wow. Right? Everyone was like a three-part scenario. Oh, my gosh. And there were 10 of them. It was the longest interview ten I've ever. questions or? Yes. Okay. 10 scenarios that were paragraphs long. I couldn't keep up with them. And that yeah. was a really awkward interview. Yeah. So definitely do those. And then I was asked in an interview if this guy had a brick wall, kind of like Janine has in her office. He said, if you were any brick on this wall, which one would you be and why? I, I, I'm to give him the middle finger. I said, I'm the bottom brick because I hold things together. Hey, well, I love Is he looking for you to say I'm the top brick because that's, you know, I don't want that responsibility. I'm bo the bottom brick because I want that responsibility or I'm in the middle because I'm, I don't stand out. Like when I was looking for, I know when I ask my students, like in mock interview, when I ask them questions like that, they're like, I don't really know it. They panic. And yes. that's what they want to see that you don't yes. panic, yes. that you have an answer and you just go with it. Yeah. No matter what it is. Yeah. And I think one of the things you have to think about as you're going into an interview is they called me in for an interview. There's something about me that they like and having that confidence around you. Right. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there. I'm kind of in the middle, but a lot of people that will apply for whatever job. I'm not qualified. It's fine. I'll apply for it. We'll see what happens. My brother's one of them. My husband's one of them. Yep. And they don't care. Like, they're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, you don't know how to do that job. Yeah, I'll learn it. Like, yeah. they just, they just have that confidence about them. Whereas my other brother doesn't really have that same confidence, but it's probably more qualified than he thinks, right. you know? Mm -hmm. So 
go knowing that as you're going in, like you're not at a 100% disadvantage, right? There's something about you that they liked or they wouldn't have interviewed you. Exactly. That's a really good point. And then you want to make sure that you, you are prepared for what I would call an interview agenda, right? If it's a good interviewer, they're going to have an outline that they're going through, right? Mm -hmm. A set of questions. They're going to orient you to what's going to happen. Now it doesn't, some interviewers are bad and they're not going to be prepared. Yeah. But you be prepared as an interviewee, right? To, if you have to make sure that the interview closes well, that there's good rapport built at the end, that you greet and say goodbye to each other in a professional manner so that you leave that good impression terminally at the end of the Mm -hmm. interview. Well, and I always at the end when they say, do you have any questions? This was a question I always asked. You know, after I've told you everything about me, do you feel like I would be a good fit for this position? I love it. And that stumped every interviewer. Yeah. And then it gives you, you're not leaving that interview thinking, did I do well? Did I not? And I have people tell me, oh, you'd be great. I had someone tell me you would be bored in this job. Wow. Yes. I have had that happen too. Like you're just overqualified for Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And I have literally said, it doesn't matter. I want to do this job. And they're like, no, you don't understand. We need somebody who's not at your level. And I didn't get the job. So yeah, that's a good point. When they say, do you have questions for us? Always have a question and think about how can I ask a question that visually they can see me in the position? Mm-hmm. Like, What would be the first task you have me do in this role? Yeah, I love the question. Um, tell me what a day, a typical day would look like at this job for right. me. And then let them kind of go through that. Yeah. I, I think that's a great. And I have often stumped interviewers as well. And it just lets them know, oh, well, we weren't as prepared as she was. Yes. And that's okay. Because then they're like, well, we kind of like what she's working with. That'd be great. Yeah. But then you wrap everything up and we always talk about, make sure you follow up. Mm -hmm. So send a handwritten thank you note or send an email if that's appropriate for the culture. Make sure you end on a good note, but always follow up on that interview and thank them for their time. Because if they're looking at multiple candidates and you're the only one that reached out and said thank you, that could be the thing that gets you the job. Yeah. Yes. So it's just real important stuff about interviewing. Again, if you have any additional questions, you can always email us. We are happy to help you, and we will talk to you next time. If you would like more information about resumes or cover letters, or if you need help with one, then email us at partnerwithpeer, that's peer, P-I-E-R, at gmail.com. joining us at three peeps in a pod today and if you like what you heard share and subscribe and until next time we wish you clear and confident communication